so high right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama! Oh my mama made it, ma! Anything's possible! Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. I want to thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, listening to the show or watching on YouTube, I, I really do thank you for doing so and incorporating this little half hour or so into your enjoyment of the Boston Celtics. I am John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I'm also the author of the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, a book that I now have back in stock. If you want to buy an autographed copy uh, on my website, johncorrales.com, $30 gets you the book, the autograph, however you want me to sign it. And uh, I've got a few, I get a few orders that I got to send out. So if you're waiting for one, it's coming out now. Uh, today on the show, I'm going to bring in my friend. First of all, today's show is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app, join me on Friday afternoon to get in the action. Spotify Green Room, formerly Locker Room, now Spotify Green Room, is changing the way we talk about sports. So lots to talk about with the Kemba trade and Brad Stevens' first deal, and I couldn't do it alone, and I wanted to bring in a very special guest, the recently retired Chuck McKenney from RedsArmy.com, who has cashed in all his blogging stock and is apparently getting ready to go down to Aruba or something to live a very nice post-retirement life, right, Chuck? Yeah, yeah, you know, re- retirement brings about feelings of relaxation and de- you know de-stress. De- and I've never been busier, or my life has never <laughs> felt more chaotic. You know, thanks to my children. Um, but you know, something had to give, and, and 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 it was blogging. So I'm retiring from 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 blogging per se. Um, like I like I said in my kind of farewell blog today, I'll still be on Twitter. I'm still going to be. Snap, uh, snapping at people, snapping at the Celtics, <laughs> you know, just bitter and angry guy. Yeah, it just, it just won't be in long form on the blog, which you know some folks may have been used to. <laughs> you have always been the more emotional of the two of us. Uh, for those who don't know, Chuck and I started RedsArmy.com back in 2006. Is that right? 2006. Yeah. Jesus, man. You know, I was, I'm like. I'm, I'm watching the open to this thing roll, right? They're doing the, the Locked On Podcast Network and all these graphics and everything. And I just, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking like, remember the blog talk radio days when we were just trying to like, I, I don't know how the hell we even did it. Like the constantly the internet would just drop out. We had, we, <laughs> it was just such a mess. And now there's all of this stuff is so high tech and we're on YouTube now and everything. Uh, so so yeah, so end of an era, man. How does it feel? Like you're in on the ground floor. Yeah, no, I mean it feels it feels weird, and it's and it's just been, um, you know, like you know, this retirement has been, you know, probably eighteen months in the making, if sure, not yeah. longer. So you know, I've been I've been kind of going back and forth, and you know, we we <laughs> we put a lot into it, and I think that's what kind of made us, you know, successful. I'll be using a lot of air quotes. Today. <laughs> But it's know, all and I think we, we, you know, we took it seriously. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we're journalists, we're in the news biz. We knew the importance of kind of getting information out quickly, uh, cleanly. So we, we took that approach to the blog and we, and we took it seriously. And I think that's what kind of helped um, kind of build out an audience where not only were we insightful and funny, um, funny, um, but, you know, <laughs> definite air so, quotes around funny. Our, our readers could count on us to, yeah. to, to bring to bring them news, bring them any of the rumors and the reports that were going on. And this was really before kind of aggregation was something that mainstream media outlets did. So we would go digging through all the blogs and, and everything, looking for nuggets about the Celtics and such, and bring them to our 
to our audience. And I think that they kind of got used to us. They, they could count on us. Yeah. So that, and, and that was a grind. And we did that for years and years and years. Um, and we enjoyed it, but that sort of, um, you know, that, that sort of grind wears you down, you know, as you yeah. know, and then you can't do it the way you used to do it. One, you know, you don't feel happy about it until your audience knows it. Right. So they can, they can see it. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, wouldn't be first anymore or, you know, we would, I just never, you know, and I said, and I said this in my kind of farewell vlog, like I, I lost that sort of edge, that desire that, you know, I have a tiger <laughs> to, to want to like, you know, yeah. there's a story out there. I want to share my opinion. I just, you know, I, I just didn't have that. Anymore. Yeah. You, you can't fake that because it's just too much noise out there now. So, you know, I mean, we had a lot of fun. We could we could go on and on all oh, the yeah. you know, stories. And I, and I shared a few memories in the blog today about things that happened to us along the way where we were just like, you know, holy shit, did that really happen? Yeah, like, right. Because, you know, as, you, as you're kind of building a following, you're thinking to yourself, you know, are people really reading us? Are people taking us seriously? You know, who knows about us, right? Well, yeah, we have a following in Massachusetts, but who knows about us? And then there were just these little sort of wins along the way where you're just like, holy shit, you know, yeah. Comcast knows about us. Holy shit. You know, we just talked to Jalen Rose and Tim Legner <laughs> on the Black Talk Radio podcast. Holy shit, Comcast invited us to their luncheon. Holy shit, you and I just talked to with Grouseback for like 15 minutes at TD Garden yeah. in that sort of Comcast room. And he's like, yeah, I know of you guys. And we were just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Along the way, you have all these sort of moments where you're like, wow, you know, that's, it, it's pretty wild because I guess for me, it was always, you know, I always felt like we were going up against sort of the bigger blogs and, you know, we, I think we compared ourselves to some of the, some of the bigger blogs, the Celtics blog and such. And, you know, we tried to remain kind of independent for as long as we could. Um, so having those sorts of moments of validation, you know, <laughs> like we need it. Right. But it's right. like, you know, we're professionals. We have careers. Right, right. We have families. We have wives and children. Yet in this little corner of my life, I'm still, you know, working this angle. And and it was just, you know, I think just added to the charm of it all. It's just, yeah. it's just kind of real. It's kind of wild. You kind of think about where things have gone, where, like where we started, the silly little ways we, we initially blogged. And like you said, little things along the way, you know, uh, sponsorships before sponsorships of these types of things were a thing, you know, and it's really interesting because, you know, as my career has, has gone down, continued down the Celtics road, you know, I, I look at, like, I, I joked a little bit about like, Hey, you know, that this, this open to this show was kind of like really cool. It was pre-produced and all that stuff. But all of the things that like these advances here were, were a product of the things that I say, we not like you and I necessarily, but the collective blogger sphere was doing like, and, and think about how many people that started as bloggers are now mainstream yeah. media people, you know, like, you know, I, I, I'll put myself in there, but the bigger time, like, like Zach Lowe is like the, at this point, I would say like the pinnacle of basketball journalism. And he had uh, Celtics hub. He was, he was at Celtics hub while working at ESPN initially. And sure. like, that is, you know, kind of an interesting like lineage of what it allowed people to do, allowed them to cut their teeth. You and I know we, we started in TV. We know what the small market, it used to be that if you wanted to cover the Boston Celtics, you go to Des Moines, Iowa and cover high school basketball for nothing. And then you proved that you got uh, you know good enough so you can go to Indianapolis or you know Charlotte, North Carolina, and then you'd work your way when those jobs opened up to the bigger places. Well, blogging kind of did that for us. We we yeah. started out as, you know, couple of you know jerk fans <laughs> with yeah. with wild opinions and making photoshops of you know the general manager like i made danny ainge photoshops and just just for fun just to like throw it out there and just have fun and you know as it progressed you're like oh wow people are reading this like i should i should like i want to give them something like meaty and eventually you say all right now and you grow as a person like every every 
year you you get older, hopefully people are growing as people and you know, we start to find our voices in all of this stuff and it was really cool to to, you know, progress and to see all of these advancements. This this show that we're doing right now, the fact that this podcast is basically an offshoot of what we were doing on redsarmy.com and the fact that I make a living off of it now. Like we were just screwing around yeah. back then. And now this is like, this is, this is how I, this is how I pay for my car. This is how I pay my rent. This right here is, then that, that's almost like, it, it sounds almost stupid to me, Chuck. Like this, <laughs> this is how you pay your rent. Really? Like, I don't believe yeah. that. I don't believe you, but it is. And so I wanted to start off the show saying, thank you for being such a great partner on Red's Army. And like, I thought we really played off each other well. And it's, it's sad. It was sad for me when I left and, but I knew you were always there and I had my little brief dalliance when I left mass live to go back there. Now that you're gone from Red's Army, it's like, that's it. And there, it's still there and the guys are still going to, you know, have their fun with it or whatever. But like, you know, it's, it's a little bit of like a, wow, man, I can't, I can't believe that. I can't believe that you lasted 15 years doing this thing, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, those, those first sort of like seven years were pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. The first year, the first two years of kind of building the blog really, I mean, first off the team was shit. So (laughs) ride any momentum there, but then, you know, I think we were, we were building momentum and then, then 2008 happens. You know, that trade came in at the kind of the perfect time, that new big three. Yep. And then we just kind of converged and we rode that. And I think, you know, between 08, right through like the trade, 2013, I mean, there's no coincidence that that was kind of like our, you know, that's where we peaked. Yep. yep. Um, and just had, you know, it was a lot of fun and the following was was was, was as big as it was ever been. And then, um, yeah, and, and it, it's funny, you know, because like the team is – you know, I think then we, you know, when Brad came on and then they had the rebuilding and there's been some levels of success um, over the last few years. But, you know, you have to say that now, and I know they need to find a coach, <laughs> but with Tatum and Brown, you feel like the team is positioned now better than it was within the last, since Pierce, Garnett and Ray were here mm-hmm. to be a legitimate champion. When we have two pieces to be a legitimate sort of championship team and you know with the excitement of, of those guys and building up the team around it and bringing on an exciting new coach and everything um it's it should be positive vibes you know mo- moving forward and it's funny like not even that was enough to kind of keep me in the yeah. game right? <laughs> That's when i knew like i really have nothing because i wanted to stick around for another sort of you know for banner 18 and stuff but you know when when the when that optimism can't even save you <laughs> and you know it's just like i just i just wanted to kind of and it was a you know i guess i felt some sort of still some sort of responsibility to either like just kind of close that book a yeah. bit just like you know i not that it's like it serves your ego to write a goodbye blog i mean you could see it took me about 20 minutes to put that together but i just kind of want to button up like you said it's 15 years we yeah. you know we we did a lot we had a lot of fun a lot of fun times. We met a lot of people. Like we met actual people through yeah. the blog. We connected with people who we still are friends with. Yeah. Who we actually hang out with. So it's it's you know, it it's meant a lot not to get all corny. You know, I'm a very emotional guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's you. But I just felt like there was some responsibility to say, you know what, this is what I have to do. And I have to close that and I have to close that book. And um, you know, we'll still be around, it'll just be in in a different, different capacity. But, um, yeah, man, it was just, it's just crazy. Just crazy. All right. Well, let's do what we do best. You want to talk some basketball? Yeah, of course. All right. Let's do that. Let's do that after the break before, uh, enjoy your beverage there. And, uh, I will tell people about Spotify green room, which you might've known as locker room before, but it's now Spotify green room. And it is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. Speaking of the evolution of how things have gone. Uh, now we're on to basically sports talk radio in the palm of your hands on your device. You can download the app now available everywhere. And 
You want to hop into my room? Hop into my room. Every Friday afternoon, I'll hop in there, talk to you. You can request to be on stage. I'll bring you on. You have your conversation. You ask questions, make comments. We'll talk for a couple minutes, and I'll bring the next person on. It's basically sports talk radio. So it's, uh, you know, we can we can have a, a nice conversation. Uh, you can find other fans like you. You can make new friends. You can create your own rooms in Spotify and have, like, a watch party. Like, I'm recording this with Chuck before the uh, before the Clippers and the Suns. But if you wanted to watch that or watch the the Bucks and Hawks and create a little Spotify green room where you all converge and get together and talk, you, you can do that. It's, it's a great way. You can customize it uh, however you want. So download it right now. Uh, create your profile, link your Twitter, join the NBA group. Follow me at John Corrales, and you'll get notified when I go live. Uh, I don't have a set time to go live because there's always some sort of news or something that happens that, that always changes the time. But it's generally Friday afternoon, so I'm looking forward to having you on so we can talk about the Boston Celtics. Spotify Green Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this offseason. And uh, like I said before, I'm recording this game before the Suns and Clippers the thought is that Chris Paul is going to be back soon. He's not back for this game, so no Chris Paul, no Kawhi Leonard. And we're waiting to see when Chris Paul can return and if he'll return to a 2-0 series lead or a 1-1 series. And then Bucks and Hawks, I don't I, I can't get I can't just I can't give the Hawks a whole lot of I, I can't give them much of a chance. I just think it's a, this is a different animal. They face the Knicks, who are not ready for prime time. They face the clearly dysfunctional Sixers and, you know, Ben Simmons. Basically, as dysfunctional as they were and as hurt as they were, the Sixers still, they had a chance to win this thing in seven. I think the Hawks pumpkin, uh, the the it, it, they turned back into a pumpkin in this series. We'll see what happens. Let's talk about the Boston Celtics and get Chuck McKinney back in here as we uh, kind of go back. And, and obviously, the big news, Chuck, is the Kemba Walker trade. So in, in thinking back uh, on the Kemba Walker trade and, and Brad Stevens' first move as the, uh, the president of basketball operations, wh- what do you think of the deal? Do you think it was a good deal? How do you think Brad did? You know, I was a, I was a little bit surprised. I think I braced myself for Kemba coming back for one more year because there'd probably be challenges with moving him. Um and I'm not sure how much I believe um, in all these reports and the dysfunction in the locker room, whether Kemba, Kemba loved it here, uh, Kemba hated Brad, um, you know, all that stuff that's been surfacing. Uh, it can be tough to filter through different agendas in which those come to light. Um, so I, I think I prepared myself for him coming back for, for one, one more season. Um, you know, admittedly, I wasn't his biggest fan. Um, and I know injuries were like 95% of what hindered him here. Um, although I did find it important to remind everybody yesterday that he did blow through the minutes restriction in the All-Star game last year. And I believe that was a story broken by yourself um, at the time. Anyway, um, I, I, looking at the trade, I think, it was a, I think it's a good move in that it gives them that financial flexibility, which I didn't quite understand um, they could get. Um, you know, thirty million dollars or something. They're they're yeah. saving the difference in the contracts. Um, so I think um, you know, I'm fine with giving up sixteen. This team has enough six. You know, enough uh, players accumulated enough players over the last two years that fit the sort of mold of a number sixteen draft pick. Yeah. Um. So I'm you know I think it's a I think it's a good move. But again, it's always conditioned on well, what are they going to do with that financial flexibility that is yeah. created kind of after this season or even with this season, they're more, 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 more than likely going to kind of re-sign Fournier. We're not sure what that contract's going to look like, but it seems like this opens up some money there. Um, 
and see, you know, what other pieces they can, they can bring in because even if Al has something to give, I think we know that there, there still needs to be some veteran pieces that need to be added um, to kind of supplement um, whatever steps, you know, Neesmith or Langford are, you know, able or unable to give them. So my long winded answer is I think yeah. I'll give it a, you know, I give it a thumbs up. I give it a thumbs up, but again, there's a lot of conditions on it. Sure. I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, the more I dig into this, it's pretty obvious that Brad's got a lot more left to do here. And I did uh, a breakdown on Boston Sports Journal of all of the numbers now. You know, Kemba's out. What does this mean? Where can the Celtics go? Uh, the $9 million that they save or so this year is is very, very helpful. But I, I, I encourage people to go read it because the salary cap, as I've been explaining to people, it it's – it's basically four generations of closing loopholes. Every time they close a loophole, someone else, the Mike Zarens of the world, say, oh, well, here's a way to get around that. And then the next, next bargaining session, they go, oh, well, Zarin figured out how to, how to you know, circumvent the salary cap. So we're going to not do that anymore. And it's, so all of these crazy things like cap holds and what counts and what doesn't and how does it count, that's all part of the collective bargaining agreement. Um, we all know that I'm not a financial expert, Chuck, (laughs) but I have to sit here and read this big, complicated legal document to try to figure things out. And basically where the Celtics are is they're, they're just not under the cap at all. They're going to be basically at the tax level, depending on what they do. And the whole question is, are they going to do something like give someone the full mid-level exception and hard cap themselves and really limit the next move. And I really can't see it happening. I can't see the next move right now, this offseason being a sign and trade to acquire somebody. I can't see it being a full mid-level without sending out salaries. Like you, They almost have to trade Tristan Thompson right now as it is. Regardless, if, you're, if they re-sign Evan Fournier to anything above $17.5 million, Tristan Thompson has to go in that, in that scenario just to give themselves some breathing room and to minimize the tax bill because these guys aren't going to pay the tax for this. Let me ask you this because I, I get a lot of people saying the Celtics need to pay the tax if they're going to be competitive. How, wh- what's your feeling on the Celtics ownerships very clearly saying, you know, we're not, we don't want to go overboard on the tax right now, considering that, you know, we're not, we're going to pay a ton of taxes for a team. That's not really a contender. Yeah. You know, I, I, Wick has always talked a good game. You know, he's always talked a good game about when he felt like he had a contender that he would spend what, you know, what is ever, what is necessary. <laughs> right. But I feel like we've still kind of been in these transitional periods that were, you know, we're not quite there yet. So is he going to, it feels like we're in the perpetual sort of, next move is going to be the move where they're willing to spend to keep us in the cap. Um, now had Kemba worked out here, right. And then, the, and then he was locked in at his number. Then we would have seen them had they wanted to bring back Fournier, that would have been the big investment for them. That would have been where that would have been a signal that Wick says we have a championship contender. We're going to invest in Fournier. I'm willing to pay. Right. That would have been a move. Yep. But now because they've saved some money, it's like, OK, we're kind of straddling the line. You know, I'm not sure. But w- what I can tell you is that when you look at these teams that are in the final four here and you look at the Celt- the talent that the Celtics have, it seems like they're a lot closer than we thought they were. You know what I mean? The NBA continues to be so goddamn unpredictable. Like we <laughs> think it's always predictable in that, right. you know, the best players and the best team, the best players often make it to the to the finals, but there's, there's players are always changing. You never know who's going to be unhappy, who's going to maneuver them out. And this final four, man, it, I, I felt it was just wild. And I just feel like granted Jalen had that, had the injury, we would have needed him to kind of make any sort of noise, but I still feel like with the team that they had with one more bench person, I, I, I feel like they could have been better. I feel like they could have been close enough. So you know, to kind of answer your question, um, I, I'm my mindset is next year isn't the year; it's going to be the year after, mm-hmm. right? That they're going to that they need to start spending. I mean, am I 
No, that's that's that. Look, that's yeah. the big free agent class that 2023. That's where you know Nikola Jokic is going to be a free agent and Embiid and you know a lot of a lot of big names are going to be free agents. So that if the Celtics are going to spend money, that's going to be the year that they spend money or at least have the cap space to go out and be like, yeah, here we go. Here's your here's your team, Jalen and Jason. Uh, I think they can make enough moves here, kind of like laterally. They make the right moves that they can be in that top three in the East. I think they can do it because the, the you know Tatum and Brown are so good mm. that you just have to have the right combination. And I think I think they can do it. I, I I think they can get the right pieces because I'm not sold again after watching you know Milwaukee stumble through Brooklyn yeah. and then watching Brooklyn. You know, are they ever going to be fully healthy? So I'm not there to think the Celtics can add a couple pieces, move Thompson, move somebody here, and be in that top three in the East again. This is. I'm sorry. Good. No, I just am I being am I being naive? Am I being too optimistic? And this is this is such an interesting conversation because it's we don't know like this season. I've been saying this all season long. Like what? How much of this is real, and how much of this is? a function of the circumstance of the short turnaround. Like the Celtics were obviously one of the four teams that had the short turnarounds and all four of those teams had significant problems. And very obviously that impacted those teams. But at the same time, we saw that if the Celtics had an opportunity like that Brooklyn series, yeah, they lost, they lost four one, but they played better, more consistently in that series than they did for long stretches of the regular season. They played harder and you you can make the case like if Kemba was had more time, if the the turnaround wasn't so short, if they could have just found a way, like Brad Stevens was saying all season long, could just find a way to get through and be healthy at the end of the season, and yeah. when the playoffs start, have everybody together and generally good health. So Kemba's knee would have been okay. Whatever Jalen had was dealing with, all of that stuff. That definitely would have changed the dynamics because look, how many times over the course of the regular season did we sit there and say, wow, we lost to the Hawks? What a horrible loss. And now they're in their Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference Finals. Like, maybe those aren't such bad losses after all. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of what hurt the Celtics was so out of their control and, and won't happen next season. You won't have uh, or shouldn't happen. You shouldn't have more COVID cases. That should be like taken care of. You won't have the games being postponed and then jammed back into the middle of the schedule, which was horribly unfair. That won't happen. There are there are things that won't happen next year that will be different. And I've had conversations with people. Like by the end of next season, the Celtics could look remarkably better. And People will say, look, no Danny, no Brad Stevens, look how much better they are. But the real reason that those guys were better is they had practices, they had days off, they didn't have back-to-backs. When they were on the road, when they go on the road, they can go like leave their hotel rooms. They're not trapped in their hotel rooms. They can live like, you know, normal NBA players. Like all of those things that they didn't have, they're just gonna have a normal season and they will play better because of it. And it won't matter if it was Brad or Ime Odoka or Carol Lawson or whomever ends up getting this job. Like that's that's the thing that might be a little infuriating next season because we're going to see results. I think that are are indicative of yeah maybe the you know some level of it will be the new coach and the new system and whatever perhaps, but some of it will just be it wasn't the COVID season. Yeah, you know, like the, people and I'm not the first person to say this, but. People want to put the asterisk on the bubble season when the asterisk belongs on this season because this season had much more of an impact than the bubble did. This season is the one where all everything was just thrown off and screwy. Let's continue this conversation in a minute. I gotta, I gotta t- tell people about Built Bar and uh, you know how awesome these protein bars are. But we'll get back to the conversation with Chuck in just a second. Uh, if you go to builtbar.com you're going to realize, oh my God, I'm missing out on some great flavors like strawberry and orange. They're around. That's new. Mint brownie is still here. Like They have their regular rotation of their nine kind of core playoff, uh, playoff uh, <laughs> uh, protein bars. 
but they have new bars coming in and you're missing out on, on some of the different flavors that they just dropped. You got to go to BuiltBar.com all the time and find out what's what's happening over there. And you'll realize when you go and check out some of these new flavors, you're going to say, wow, that one was only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein and four net carbs. Like that's a ridiculous kind of flavor profile, r- r- ridiculous uh, nutrition facts on there. And you're like, this tastes like a candy bar. How is this good for me? But it is. So if you are, uh, if you have a nut allergy, no problem. They have plenty that don't contain nuts. If you are on a keto diet, no problem. These are approved and are good for a keto diet. So check it out. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. LOCKED15 is going to get you 15% off at builtbar.com. So go check it out. Experiment. Get a mixed box. Figure out what flavors you want. Go back. Promo code LOCKED15. You're going to save plenty of money at builtbar.com. You can use some of the money that you save there at Bet Online to throw some cash down on the NBA playoffs, WNBA if you're interested in that, baseball, hockey playoffs are going on, MMA, it's all there. So sign up, sign up for free, use your laptop, use your mobile device, no problem. Check out everything that they've got and use that promo code locked on for Bet Online. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So when you sign up, Create your profile. You make your first deposit. If it's two hundred bucks, you get a hundred dollar welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the game at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Hope you're enjoying this podcast. Also enjoy the Locked On Today podcast, which is basically 20 minutes of all the top sports stories around the, the world, around the you know the major leagues here. So if you want everything, you want to get caught up and feel like you're you know everything there is to know, 20 minutes on the Locked On Today podcast. Let's bring Chuck McKenney back in to continue our conversation about the Celtics team and moving forward with Brad Stevens on Monday was very adamant about if you make the, our wings better, you're going to play. And I'm sure that's part of the motivation. Like w- when you get Al Horford, the motivation was very clearly, obviously money. That was the first thing that Brad Stevens talked about. Financial flexibility. He kept, kept saying it over and over again. But in the meantime, he also got Al Horford back. And because the Celtics didn't give him this contract, and I think because... He's he represents a savings over Kemba Walker. And I think because everybody understands he's 35 now when he goes out there and plays a certain way and isn't just trying to get numbers. I think I I hope people are going to be more accepting of him, but having a ball mover, whatever they decide to do with him or with with Robert Williams, I would expect if they both are playing, you have now two guys that move the ball. From the high post, they're comfortable with the passing. Your two of your three best passers are now bigs. They um, they obviously play differently, but they can operate in an area on the floor where a lot of other bigs can't operate. It, it seems pretty obvious that first of all, any talk about trading Jalen Brown seems kind of I, I I don't think that's going to happen. And the entire focus of this this team now is guys who can do more than one thing and guys who can accentuate Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah, I think that point was made with Al. I think you kind of encapsulated pretty well there. Um, and I'm, I, and I, I'm, you know, excited to have Al back in that, you know, under those sort, sorts of conditions that you, that you laid out. I'm not going to be expecting him to lead the team in scoring or, or anything. It's kind of, you know, play the, play the positional defense, move the ball around, and make the open shot. I mean, that's really, that's really all we need from him. Um, so I think he can, he can be super helpful. I guess I'm still concerned about, you know, there are plenty of question marks, right? There's still wing depth, right? I mean, I love the fact that we have, there's lots of optimism around Rob, some question marks around his health, you know, Tatum and Brown enough said they're going to be spectacular again, but what is that bench looking like? Right. I mean, we don't know how, uh, they're going to use smart. You know, Fournier, we think he's coming back. We're expecting him to provide some scoring, but there still needs to be wing depth. Yeah. Where is that wing depth coming from? We cannot. I refuse to go into the season <laughs> banking on any significant contributions from Langford. 
And Neesmith, despite him showing a lot of high energy and, and doing more than shooting in the last like quarter of the season, we there needs to be other other players there. If we're rolling the dice with those guys yet again, then I think it's it's a it's a big gamble, and I will not be happy. <laughs> well, I don't know that there's going to be much opportunity to go from for somebody else. Uh, obviously, there's there's like a very wide kind of array of what you can get from those, right? Like Romeo Langford, I will say, and I will reiterate, Romeo Langford didn't suffer any new injuries this past season. He people talk about, oh, he's always hurt. He he came back from the wrist surgery that was from the prior season. He caught COVID when he was supposed to come back. And they had a couple of days where he was in the concussion protocol, but that was only a couple of days. It didn't last long. And that was it. So he did not get hurt again this past season. It was just residual effects due to the unfortunate circumstance of coming back from wrist surgery on his shooting hand and then as soon as he was supposed to, he was out for another month because of COVID, which is not something that was supposed to happen and not something that would have happened in any other year. So I, I feel like I need to accentuate that fact because that is what's fair to Romeo Langford. I'm not saying that that's going to change anything about what he's going to give or anything like that. But this notion that Romeo's always hurt. He was hurt all last season. He was hurt the season before. Nothing new. From him last season. And Neesmith, a rookie who went the entirety of 2020, that calendar year, having been hurt in college and not playing five on five five until after he was drafted and then a few weeks later thrown into training camp. Like, no wonder he struggled. And the fact that he was able to work individually and show promise and improve throughout the course of the season and become a player that they used in the playoffs. Granted, they were shorthanded and they they had kind of little choice, but they still used him. They went to him. He earned some trust in the playoffs. Again, I don't know that that means, oh, he's going to take steps forward and average 15 points and six rebounds, and he's going to be a a 30-minute-a-game player. I'm not saying that, but I'm looking at signs, and I can at least see a line that leads, you know, upward for either of those guys. Yeah, that's reasonable, right? I, I'll give you that. That's fair. They're always fair and reasonable, John. <laughs> right? But for me, right, like, write that down. Uh, Chuck McKenney, you're always fair and let's reasonable. Jump, let's jump ahead. I mean, who do you see? Do you think Smart's going to be the starting point guard? Do you see it being Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, Rob Williams? Are they going to trot out that starting five, mm. bringing Fournier off the bench? Yeah, I said Horford and Rob Williams. Yeah, I said no. double bigs. Yeah, no. no, I can't see them go double bigs. I can't see them do that no. because no, because look, they they, they tried they that tried with that. Horford and Philly, and that's part of why Horford didn't work in Philly. He's a center, and like he's a mo- he, well, not as mobile, but he's. Part of what makes him so effective is that he's a center who can draw the opposing team center out and he, he can switch or I don't know how well he switches anymore, but you know all the stuff about Al Horford. You can't play yeah, him at the but floor. I thought he didn't like not, that's I thought not, he didn't not, yeah, but he, it's too late now, man. He's 35. Yeah. Like yeah. you get, I'm sorry, Al, you like, you're going to have to play center buddy. So the question is, I do like smart as a starting point guard. I think smart as a starting point guard. And I, I've, I've been trying to pour through the numbers with smart as a starting point guard. And like, they're kind of like all over the place. And I'm, I'm trying to like add some perspective to the numbers. When, when he plays the shooting guard, he actually his his assist rate was higher. And, but that means also that when he was playing shooting guard, Kemba Walker was on the floor. And so that's one more guy that he could pass to that can make a shot. And so, yeah, it kind of makes sense if you try to look at it. Like, it's hard with these statistics and you say, well, if, if, if the numbers showed me that he was better as a point guard, I'd be sitting here touting Marcus Smart's better as a point guard. And the numbers show me that he the numbers were better with him as a shooting guard. And now because I like him as a point guard, I'm, I'm thinking like, is this real? 
because I see him as a point guard, and I I think look why why do I like him as a point guard with the ball in his hands? He's not he's less likely to catch and shoot. He's initiating the offense. He's passing. He's moving. He's cutting. So it takes a little bit of the impetus for him to start jacking shots away. Yep. Okay, he's he's got the ball in his hands a lot, so that takes away some of that stuff that people don't like about Marcus Smart. We've seen him be the the best lob guy, the only lob guy for a while, and and be the only guy who can can hit certain passes. He is an exceptional passer. He works very well in the pick and roll. So offensively, I like what he brings, and if he's got stability in his role, I like that. If you if you can have him out there and you say, look. You're the starting point guard. You've got Tatum. You've got Brown. You've got pick your center, whichever one, as long as it's consistent, and however you want to do the four. Now, do you want to start Fournier and go smart Fournier, Brown, uh, Tatum, and your center, and have Tatum be basically your stretch four? Mm -hmm. Then, okay, I I can work with that. If you want to have Fournier come off the bench and have your stretch four be a guy we haven't seen yet, and maybe you roll the dice on somebody and say, that's the guy that we're going to plug in there. However that is, as long as Smart is in a consistent role that he can come out every day and be like, look, I know these guys. I trust these guys. The guys I'm passing to are going to take their shots. And then after they do whatever they got to do, if Tatum catches and fakes and drives, then Smart is rotating and getting an open catch and shoot opportunity I'm okay with that because he's actually not yeah. bad at that. So yeah. that's my entire rationale for smart as the starting point guard. I like smart as a starting point guard. I think it's the best way to put him out there on the floor. Yeah. I mean, I, I second all, all those points. I think I still, and whether Fournier starts or comes off the bench, um, can they take that Thompson? Can they move Thompson and get something back? That's in that sort of, cause he's making $10 million, right? Does it have 9. to be? Nine point seven, yeah. Can he? Can we get a wing? I use that term loosely. Anyone who can play two to four, um, who is a veteran player, and I don't have anybody in mind. But is is moving Thompson basically just a salary dump, or or or? I, I want to get some value for him. Yeah. Am I so dreaming? my determination, <laughs> no, like my determination on on moving Thompson is. There's, there's a world where you move Thompson for nothing so you can use the full mid-level, still hard cap yourself, but this doesn't involve Fournier re-signing. It's, oh. that's the, there's a, Fournier gets lured away because Boston has a hard number where they're set and without his 20 or, you know, he, he's got like a $26 million cap hold right now. So you take that off the books and and you you move Tristan Thompson, you can hard cap yourself a little bit more freely and and maybe get somebody that way and you say may, then you've got to trust you really got to trust that for that um Langford or Neesmith have have come come along and and maybe it takes a little bit longer into the off season. Maybe it takes Neesmith and Langford a little time to kind of prove what they're doing. Maybe it comes after summer league somehow. Maybe I, I don't know exactly when, but like if, if Fournier, like one scenario we've been talking about Chuck is the New York Knicks need somebody who can create a, a create a shot for themselves. Uh, they've got a ton of cap space. They're not going to go long-term on a, on a, a deal because everybody wants to keep their cap space open for 2023. They say, Hey, Fournier, You've got exactly the type of thing that we want. We're going to give you one year at $25 million, which is probably eight or $9 million more than he's going to get anywhere else. And he's like, well, yeah, let me take the one year at 25. I'll go into free agency next year. And then I can take my 17 million a year or whatever from somebody else. But let me cash in here. So if they do that and he leaves, then the Celtics are going to have to figure something else out. And if that's in that scenario, you flip Thompson and you, you can now use your full mid-level and sign a guy. I still don't think they're going to sign and trade for somebody because that person's probably going to make a ton of money. And then what you can do with Thompson is try to bring back a player 
that is, I keep thinking like a reclamation project. Well, I, I go to, I brought this up like three times already in the podcast. Minnesota, Juancho Hernan Gomez, who had a horrible year last year, but has had some success as a starter as a stretch four. Not a great defender at all, but he makes $7 million, and then the following year is not guaranteed. So you get one year of Wancho, whose shooting percentage as a starter for his career at, from three is 39%, but his shooting percentage as a reserve is 32%. So he's either good or crappy, and you say, well, let's get off of Tristan Thompson. Let's bring back a guy who makes a little bit less, and if he sucks, we cut him, or like, or, or we let him go at the end of the season, or we try to flip him in a, a trade at the deadline, and whatever, it didn't work out. And the, But the flip side is, you've got a stretch four who shoots 39% from three. Yeah. Wow. No, no, that's it's not a great option. option. It's not a great option. I'm a little, you know, I mean, I think losing. So I was in your sort of, I think the, the um, perception was that Fournier was going to get 17 to 18 million. But then I listened to that Celtics podcast with Bobby Marks. Uh, I think it was through Com, uh, through a Comcast. He was talking with Chris Forsberg and he had hinted at, you know, Fournier in that $12 million range, 12 to 14, which is, you know, lower. And I was just like doing cartwheels. That's a number I think the Celtics would, 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 would yeah. jump at. And I don't know if that, you know, and I think, you know, some of his logic was teams not wanting to overspend this year, given what's coming next year. But you're right. And I think that's kind of like when, when you mentioned that one year, 25 million, that reminds me of like a contract. I think J.J. Redick had a few yep, years back. Exactly the same thing. Big money one year. Could have been in one of his first deals in Philly. Yep. And that's 100%. too much money for a player like him to pass up. You know, I mean, he's made some money, but one year, that sort of cash, you know, that's hard. That's oh, hard yeah. to pass up. Um, so I think that, that type of deal would be problematic, but from my perspective to lose Fournier and bring in another player by losing Thompson or, or, or some sort of, you know, transition there, I think that would only be sidestepping. Like we wouldn't be making any step forward and that would put even more pressure on the East Smith and the, and the Langfords to, to do something. I'm looking for a player on top of Fournier who can, who can give us something. And I know it's tough because sometimes you have to find these players who these veterans or who's going to be able to contribute. But I just feel like we, we need somebody. Um, I know that's not helping Brad when I say we need somebody. We need somebody, anybody. <laughs> what always happens when we do this, like, well, we need somebody and they go get somebody. And then we're like, not that guy. Well, not that somebody. Uh, not that somebody. <laughs> but I think, I think like this is, this is very much of a, like, we're, we're trying to fix every problem right now. And the fact is that, okay, they have, they have like the remaining $11 million on the Hayward traded player exception that's going to expire this off season. And they're, they're probably going to try to want to use that. That's a way that they can use, they can get mm-hmm. somebody in that, that might be helpful that, and maybe it doesn't cost them as much as it, a, a normal trade would, but they're also, you know, they, they just created a traded player exception in the Kemba Walker trade. There's, you know, there's uh, the Daniel Tice one that, that still exists. And, you know, every year there's always a surprise, somebody that signs somewhere. So we're, we're talking about all of these moves this summer and, and Brad Stevens needs to fix everything right now, but it's very obvious that it's, it's probably not going to happen all in this summer, right? Like you've got that first deadline when, when newly signed players can be traded in late December, that's going to start triggering some rumors. And then you've got the, which of these players, the Bradley Beal types, the Damian Lillard types are going to be disgruntled enough to say I'm out by the next trade deadline. And not just, not just for the Celtics to swoop in and get Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal, which obviously would be great if you didn't give up Jalen Brown, but also keep in mind that the Celtics can be players in that, do you need a third team to execute this? Maybe the Celtics can go in and get some assets that way. Does some does a team need to clear cap space to make a move? Then the Celtics can go in and get pieces that way, much like the 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 pre Isaiah Thomas trade where Marcus Thornton they got they got Marcus Thornton and Cody Zeller in the pick for nothing, and then they flipped it for Isaiah Thomas. They got Isaiah Thomas for nothing because they were opportunistic in other moves that were happening around the league. So the Celtics don't just have to make all of these moves on their own. They can wait and be opportunistic and 
when other moves are happening around the league, how do we get involved? Do we take a player? Do we take a pick? Do you whatever? And then bunch those things up for your next big deal at this deadline or over next summer or stuff like that. So we are very set on what's the next move because we know there's a next move. When's it happening? Why is it happening now? (laughs) Is it going to happen by August? Is it going to happen by September? If it doesn't happen by the opening of training camp, what the hell is Brad doing? Like, We're getting anxious, but it's a long road. It's a long road. It is. It is. The window's open, right? I still... After the dysfunction we had last year, whether it was uh, them tuning out Brad or mostly COVID and schedule related and all that, whatever you want to chalk it up to, the dust settles, the new coach is here. After looking at these playoffs, I still think the window's open. Yeah. Tatum and Brown are good enough. So let's not, I mean, we're going on year two of Brown's extension. It's only, there's only two more years after next year. Right. If he doesn't see, you know what I mean? Like, I hate to be the doomsayer here, but it's like hundred percent true though. Died. They're not going to stick around unless they feel like you're, you put them on the path. So you really only have two more seasons to make Jalen Brown feel like, you know, this coming season and next that this team is, is geared up for the change. He's not going to want to hear, Oh, we need one more season. No, he's going to go and try to play with Donovan Mitchell or something yeah, He's gonna right. go play or go to Atlanta. Go home, play with the Hawks. You know what I mean? So we feel like the team is young. We have time. It's not that, you know, these guys work on their contracts. It's all these four or five year things. You got to be careful. It's true. It's hundred percent true. And a great place to leave this podcast. We've gone a little long, but I thought it was worth it. Newly retired from blogging, Chuck McKinney. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Uh, I'm going to say that that's a Michelob Ultra in the glass. I want to thank Chuck for uh, hopping on. You can follow him at Reds Army underscore Chuck. We're gonna, are we going to have to change our names now on Twitter? We'll have to give it consideration. I am I am opening up to new marketing uh, opportunities. If somebody wants to be the Mick Ultra, uh, Mick Ultra <laughs> Chuck, I'm open to that too. I mean, you've got the McKenny, the Mick Ultra. It's all right there. It's, yeah, it's, so. That's what we call synergy. All right. Thanks, Chuck, uh, for hopping on. And thanks to everybody here for listening to the show. If you're listening on a podcast or watching the show on YouTube, please subscribe, rate, review, comment, all of that stuff. Wherever that's available, please do so. If it's not available, then whatever. You can probably help me out more by sharing the podcast. I've, I've heard from people who have done this. People have told me they've heard it from other people. This is where it really helps me out. Share the podcast. Tell your friends that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.